0: To episode number 87 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. I know everybody, it's been a while. It's been remote learning hell in my house and a lot of other people's, but I digress. There's a ton to get into on in this episode. Uh, Russ Cohen is long for the ride. And uh, before we introduce our other guests, Russ, can you come up with a, an 87 for me?
1: Yes, I'm going to come up with Sidney Crosby. Easy.
0: Now, for a bonus question, why is he number 87?
1: That's a good question. I, re- I probably knew it back in the day in 05. I don't remember now.
0: Bill do you uh, Bill Melter is our guest on the Stick to Hockey podcast? You don't know Bill? I don't, I don't know, the, <laughs> I,
2: I, you know I know the story behind Lindros is 88 but I don't know the story behind
0: Crosby's well, 87. He was born on the eighth month of the year and the seventh day of that month in the year 1987. Uh, there you go. But there none of go. us
1: have been to Cole Harbor I'm sure.
0: No. and uh, one of his old Shattuck Saint Mary's uh, teammates uh, just got bought out in Jack Johnson, but that is not where we start. <laughs> No, please don't start there. <laughs> we're going to start with uh, what I would deem as pretty stunning news that uh, 33-year-old Flyers defenseman, top-pairing defenseman, along with uh, Ivan Provorov this past season, Matt Niskanen, uh, according to reports from Pierre Lebrun, uh, Elliot Friedman, and many others, I haven't gotten an official statement from the Flyers just yet, uh, has decided to retire with a year left on his deal. Bill, let's start with you. Um, were you taken back by this? Did you see this coming in any way, shape, or form?
2: Not whatsoever not whatsoever. Um, you know, when there was talk of the, the Flyers adding a veteran defenseman, I assume that was, you know, in case they can, can't re-sign Justin Braun and he leaves as an unrestricted free agent. I wasn't thinking he was going to be going to be in the top there. Um, you know, look, uh, Niskanen was pulling down over 20 minutes a night still. During the regular season, he was consistently really good. Uh, playoffs were a little bit of a tougher tougher go for him. Um one of the veterans that wasn't necessarily able to pick up where he left off, um, you know, but before the, for the uh, pause, but I mean, you know, he, he plays second power play unit, plays the, the front end of the penalty kill. He was a tremendous partner for Ivan Provarov on the, on the top pairing at five on five, uh, a leader in the locker room, a calming influence. It's a, it's a big loss. It, it creates a very big hole for Philadelphia that now becomes the number one priority to, Address this off season, beyond you know, I think more than a, a third line center, more than a winger. Uh, I think they have to address the top of the defense. Who's going to off.
0: Yeah, if you're going to be one of those teams that gets into that mix of you know taking for them taking that next step and becoming a bona fide cup team, uh, your top pairing has got to be solidified. Rust, but w- when you see that uh, he hangs it up, I, I looked at this and I go, "Is this all?" And I said. I texted this text to Bill. I said, "Is this all bad news?" It, now, we don't know what the, you know, what the fix is or what they're going to do right. or be able to do. Uh, but they do clear 5 point – what is it, 5.75 million, yep. Bill? Cap space? Yep. Um, for a 33-year-old player. Um, so, you know, it could be an all's well that ends well, but could this be actually a positive in some shape or form? And the fact that the team knows this before the draft certainly helps and he doesn't decide between, you know, draft-free agency and the season starter.
1: I mean, if if they – get a suitable solution, then yes, it's a good thing because I never liked the contract. I liked the player, but I didn't like the overpay, but they had to do it. They needed to get somebody to solidify the top pairing, to also teach Provorov a little something. And he got a lot more confidence, like Bill said this year, having him there. Now, I also think Bill was right in the sense that when he's in the bubble, he definitely struggled at the beginning. There were some good games for a little while, and then it didn't happen again. And someone told me he just never adjusted to the bubble. And that may be true. He may have been one of those guys that just missed his family, was out of sorts when there was a stop and start to the season. It definitely affected him. And, you know, he probably thought with that going on again next year, potentially, you know, maybe this was like his answer and just getting out in the sense that that was the best move for him team wise. Yeah. It, you know, I doubt Fletcher had any idea until he started talking to him about it, that he knew it was coming. Cause I think like Bill said, His worry was, yeah, let's get in somebody in case Braun doesn't sign. But that's, you know, it changes when all of a sudden you need a number two. And it also changes when your number two probably has to be a right-handed shot.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's a big part of it. Somebody had told me uh, when the bubble was going on that there were veteran players, that there was scuttlebutt, that based on the fact that the league coming back this year – and look, none of the players want to go back into a bubble. Some may say, I'll do it if we have to, into some form of bubble for 2020, 2021 – but the salary rollback because revenues were lost. Right. Um, that that's a that impacts these players' decisions to, to decide if they want to come back. Is it worth it at that point? And to me, you know, Bill, I, I love your thoughts. In in pro sports and in the NHL, the moment you think about retiring, it's time to retire because it, you, if you're considering that, I I can't see how you can almost be in all in mentally to do what it takes to compete in that league. And we see the sacrifice that these players make, have made. I mean, we saw Niskanen's face look like it went through a wood chipper at one point this season. Um, if you think about it, to me, that's probably the time where you almost should know, I, I got to hang it up.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, particularly with what it takes as players get older in the offseason. Um, you know, everybody puts in a lot of work in the offseason, but when you're when you're a player in your mid-30s, you know, the off seasons are, are that much – more work and if the NHL is going to get in 82 games they say they still say they they want to that means that's gonna be a lot of a lot of stretches of three and four four and six back to back you know and, and a player you know you're thinking do I do I want to do this he does have a cup ring you know he's been a good player in the league for a long time you know and he really doesn't have anything to prove at this point other than you know other than the desire to compete and if you're not sure that it's worth paying the price to do that then yeah you already do have one foot out the door in, in some senses if you're you know if you're have to be convinced to do it I mean I think you have to think about do I how badly do I really want to do it so it sounds like um it sounds like from what Elliot Friedman is saying what Pierre LeBron is saying uh some what others are saying he's he's, he's kind of already has his mind made up I mean the Flyers told him that take some time and think about it, but it sounds like he's decided.
0: Uh, Russ, when you look at this, one of the Flyers um, strengths in organizational depth is is defensemen. Mm -hmm. Now you got to consider that when deciding how to fill this void. I'm not saying Cam York, obviously he's going back to Michigan. Uh, You know, a guy like Igor Zamola, they're not ready for this, to take on the role that he served here in his one year with the Flyers. But when you're considering maybe the guy that is, maybe it's Petrangelo, maybe it's OEL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to consider, hey, if we're signing Petrangelo, it's a long-term deal. If you're if you're trading for OEL, it, it's a long-term deal. He just signed that that contract last year worth sixty-six million dollars, and just completed one year of it in Arizona. Uh, how much will that affect, kind of, how Chuck Fletcher goes out and tries to attack this situation? Uh, is he in the Petrangelo game? Is, is he calling Arizona to see if? OEL would uh, waive that no trade for a possible trade to Philadelphia, where reportedly he already said Vancouver and Boston are options he would take it, uh, you know, waive it for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he'll make a call about OEL, but I think OEL seems stuck with those teams, and I don't think he's going to change it. I think they would be in the Petrangelo Sweepstakes. I thought early, early, early on, they might flirt with that. And then I was like, eh, it's too many things that they have to do. Now there's not as many, but now they're also in line, right? They're not his number one choice. So I don't know how much time they would spend on that. I think a, a, a pretty likely one could be Matt Dumba because Matt Dumba has a history with Fletcher. He's got a couple of years left on a deal. He could talk to Garen, He's a right shooting defenseman. He could fill that spot. And that's actually a good partner for Provov to have because at times Provov could be offensive and at times he can. Yes, Provov's the better defender. So at the end of the day, he's going to suck up most of that. But they're two completely different guys but get things done. And I think that's a good guy to look at because his salary is not out of whack either.
0: Um, Bill, one of the trickle downs, and if you're considering a Petrangelo, if you're considering an OEL, and, and as Russ mentioned, Dumba, uh, to a much lesser extent, but uh, you, you still got to clear some cap space. And a lot of people, as soon as this kind of went down, replying to my tweets and everybody else's, what does this mean for number 53 Shane Goss's pair? So we all we all believe that he is absolutely... Chuck Fletcher receiving calls on Ghost, what does this mean for Shane Goss' bear? Does it make it more likely, less likely that he's dealt? Or is there no impact at all?
2: No, I, no, I, think, it, I think it certainly has an impact. You know, I, I think it really depends on who's being targeted to be brought in, right? Um, if, you, if you go for the top of the market, if you go for that big move, you know, your absolute top pairing, you, you have to trade him you have to trade him because you're, you need the cap space. Um, if you go for a step down, you know, if you're going for a moderate cap hit guy, then, uh, you know, you're not as pressed to trade him unless you're able to to make a deal that makes some more sense. Um, if, um, you know, also, there's also the, the Justin Braun piece of this too. Um, I mean, the Flyers are still going to want a right-handed D. They're going to want a penalty killer, neither of which Ghost is. But if you're, you know, but if you, you – the way you reconfigure it is you still need a guy who can put up points and play on a power play, PP2, then, you know, then you already know Ghost can do that. You know we can play on a power play. You know we can do those things. So if you're going a little bit more moderate, as, as you know, as, as Russ suggested, then, you know, then you need the power play side guy. So then, you know, I think, he, I think he might make a little more likely stays. But, but, again, I think you need a bold move. I think you need a, a real solution on the top pairing. And in that event, then I think you have to move.
0: Yeah, and that could be exactly what happens when you look I'm at just the... just so
1: you know, I looked it up. So Dumbas a $6 million cap hit for three more years, and he's only got a modified no trade. So that means a list, so...
0: Okay, so there'll be 10 teams that he could put on his list and not yeah. go to. Um, and, and usually they get six of those get eaten up by Canadian team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when you look at the UFA market for defensemen, obviously Petrangelo's at the top of that. Um, but but there's no other top pairing defenders that are available via that market. Do, do you see anybody there, Russ? You know, I mean, Tyson Barry, Justin Schultz, Mike Green, Tori Krug. Uh, Krug's an interesting name, but he's not the, a top pairing guy. Sammy Votnin, uh is another one. And you know, Bill and I were discussing this before you jumped on, Russ. Uh, you know, is Phil Myers ready to jump up to a top pair to be alongside Ivan Progroff? Uh it, are, are the options? So yet,
1: I don't think him or Sanheim yeah. are ready yet. I think they're you know their minor struggles in the playoffs means you should stay away from that for at least And you like that year.
0: pairing together.
1: Yeah, leave those guys together. I agree. Actually, you know what's funny? Dumba's modified no training is next year. So this year oh. he doesn't have any protection in that regard. Um Vatnine's an interesting one. Vatnine would be like Bill said a secondary plug, but he's a good player. I mean, I don't know if he could play a number 2 role. That's the problem with Vatnine I would hesitate. I mean, he is pretty versatile so he might be able to get away with it, but They are, if they're going to get a guy, it's going to have to be via trade, unless, you know, you're bringing Tory Krug in, but he's going to want the most money he's ever made. And so if I'm going to choose between Krug or am I going to pay Petrangelo, I'm going to try hard for Petrangelo just because they need more of that guy than they need the Krug kind of guy. Because like Bill said, if you somehow get Ghost to play even 50% of his game, he can make up what you're looking for in a Tory Krug. So... But otherwise, yeah, Oel is an interesting one. But I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be like outside of that market. I don't know if he will be. He loved it there, right? He loved, but when he saw that things were going poorly with the team, then he, he's, I guess, he asked out, right? And so, like, I don't know how he'd fit. He's a good player. He's a really good player. He could play a number two, but I just don't know how he'd fit if he's not the top guy. He's used to Thunder. being the top guy.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Um, it, Bill... just, just jumping in here, Jason. Uh, Flyers just announced
2: they they re-signed uh, Justin Ron two two seasons, one point eight million. So he took a. Price that's price. a good signing. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a that's a good price. Yeah, that's, a that's, good uh, that's a haircut
1: they, too. And like Bill yeah. said, to get a guy who's a professional penalty killer for that team is massive.
0: Yeah, and and you, and you still need to have that veteran presence back there as well because with Niskanen out now i mean your oldest defenseman in essence on that blue line is probably what 24 years old
1: yeah i kind of wonder bill. yeah <laughs> i kind of i kind of wonder bill if they offered him like 1.5 and he was kind of thinking about it and then after niskanen retired <laughs> they upped it a little up to 1.8 yeah hey, well it still, it still is a you know a pay cut cuz he was over 3 before i know so,
0: yeah well i mean look look you know the player you know what he can do. You know how he yeah. plays in your system. I think those things are important. Um, the, uh, you know, bringing Brian Elliott back to that same kind of you know thought process. You yeah, know the player. You know the that. chemistry. You know you, you, yeah. you know they know how it works. And, and to me, you know, Bill, you know
1: he loves talking to you. You guys can talk for hours. So that's a bonus for him. With Moose, yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, as you know, Russ, I've always been a big advocate for for Elliott in that role. Yeah. I think with a young goalie it's important to have a veteran guy there and not another young guy in tandem. Um, one of the things that's been talked about a ton this week, and we've seen reporting uh, regarding uh, Patrick Liney, also Johnny Goudreau's name always comes up when uh, oh. Philadelphia is on the market. And on the 31 Thoughts podcast, uh, Elliot Friedman uh, did mention that, you know, he said Philadelphia has got players that everybody wants. So they can basically make any trade they want to make because they have the resources, whether that's picks, which they have not traded away, whether that's prospects, And whether that's some players uh, already at the NHL level, uh, when you look at guys, if you're talking about a a major deal, whether that's Connect me, whether that's well, you would lose uh, Connect in a line A deal. There's no doubt. Yeah, but now that this has happened with Matt Niskanen, Bill, uh, does this change the dynamic on line A? I thought it was unlikely to begin with uh, line A. I'm not saying it was impossible or wouldn't happen, but I thought it was unlikely because of what you'd have to uproot and maybe create in other holes in other areas to, to get that deal done uh especially for a player that's got one year you know that's doesn't, not signed behind this year so you got to extend him and that's going to be big money as well when carter Hart's due to get paid so uh, what is the effect of of this matt niskanen uh, retirement on maybe a line or the high splash move up front
2: uh, i think that it makes it even less likely truthfully you know i i think that the you know the flyers and i mean you know they're they're Pluses and minuses is scoring by committee <laughs> because you don't have the, the go-to guy necessarily, right? But, I mean, the Flyers were seventh in goals per game during the regular season this year. And they scored, you know, okay until, you know, I mean, the round robin is not playoff intensity. That was basically regular season game. They, they had no problem scoring, you know, against some good teams that weren't necessarily motivated there. But, you know, but I I think that the Flyers are going to have to score by committee again. You know, I, I just think that there's, you know, there's only so many cap dollars to go around. And I, I think that, that that scoring winger, you know, you're going to need a bounce back here from JVR, getting back to 30 goals, which you can do or get get close to that again. You know, I, I think that that's just kind of what you're looking at because the Flyers still want to see who's going to be, you know, their third line center this year. You know, they, the, there were other things they were looking to address. So, you know, I, I think if you're putting resources into, into a top pairing defenseman, I think that the scoring winger is not necessarily doable this offseason.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with Bill. And, look, I get that you would, in a perfect world, like to buy out JVR, but then he's going to latch on with someone for a million dollars and score 20 goals. He, The coach doesn't love him, but it doesn't mean the coach will give up on him either. And I think there's something that could be said about that. But, you know, the guy that's out there that they could get cheap, but they would have to, you know, really kind of talk to him and see where he's at is Bobby Ryan. And that – He could sign for anything. And so I'm sure there's a fairly good list of teams that are willing to give him a chance. You kind of wonder if he would come back to his old area cheap. He said he, he said he
0: was interested in it. Of course he was asked about it. And he said, I would love to play for the flyers.
1: Well, I I think the important thing is after Fletcher figures out this, the situation with the number two, I would bring Ryan in and say, Bobby, this is what we would do with you. We have a spot for you here. We have a spot for you at least on the second power play. Let's see how you do. Maybe, you know, maybe that changes. And I think if they could talk him into that, that could be some extra goals that they didn't have. Cause the guy could still skate and he's still got really good stick puck handling um, ability. His situation is, yeah, he doesn't play a lot of defense, but you don't have to give Bobby Ryan 18 minutes a game either. You could give him less. And I think, as long as, yeah, I think there's something, I think there would be something there where you can get some offensive output from.
0: Well, the, the other thing too, and I just want to read a couple of tweets because a, a guy named yeah. Tim responded to my tweet earlier and says, go youth and spend the money on goal scoring. Let Braun walk too. Now that obviously didn't happen. And Trey <laughs> tweeted it and he said, how about line A, would you rather make a move for him or Petrangelo? I just want to make this really clear. Um, a top pairing defenseman like Petrangelo <laughs> has far more value than a goal-scoring unicorn winger, okay? I, I've had a lot of people say this, like hit, kind of intimate this. Like, I would trade pro-raw for lining straight up. I think you're insane Yeah, <laughs> when you're talking about a 26-plus minute number one defenseman that is, what, 23, 24 years Sometimes old? Sometimes
1: 30 in the playoffs.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you want to trade that for a goal-scoring winger. Now, I get the, the goal-scoring wingers. they're unicorns, they're freaks, but you got to realize they're streaky, most of them. And they will go on a tear for 10 to 14 games, but they'll also go into a cold spell a lot of times for about 14 to 22 games. And when they're not scoring, a lot of those players can be a net negative overall because now line A's gotten better, Bill, with his 200-foot game. And he's, he has a willingness to play all three zones, but make no mistake about it, he's never going to end up in a, with a Selkie vote in his entire career. No no no, he's not
2: gonna yeah he's not gonna (laughs) remind
0: anybody Gary lightening he's not gonna win a selkie yeah uh
2: he's not gonna set other guys up he's not a playmaker you know he's not a guy who's gonna help you in a big way in puck possession he's still you know he'll he will back check now which is something he never did before you know and and he won't he won't kill you defensively so it's not as much of a net negative you know when he's not scoring goals um you know it, it could he be you know, does he is he gonna have more thirty five goal seasons? No doubt. Is he gonna have more another forty goal season? Yeah, pro- probably at some point he'll he'll do that again. He'll get you know? fifty
0: at some point too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he might get fifty. Maybe. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Depending depending on who he's playing with. Right. Yeah. But you're just you know it's the goals the goals are his value and you know he's not gonna help your process in a big way. You know, like the, the other other little things that go into winning. If you have everything you need, but that goal scoring winger, absolutely, you go all out and get it. I think the Flyers have needs beyond the goal-scoring winger. And, you know, we, we, saw, we saw what a big effect that Peugeot had on the Islanders. Yeah. The Islanders were, you know, the Islanders were free falling, And now all of a sudden they had Peugeot and that, you know, then all of a sudden they had three lines that could score. And it, it, it balanced all four lines. And all of a sudden that, that made a huge difference to that team's lineup. The Flyers need a third line that can score. And it has to start in the middle. So, yeah. you know, if, if uh, Nolan Patrick comes back and he's healthy and he gets back on track with a lot of ifs, right? If Morgan Frost is is ready for the NHL this year and has, has added some muscle and he can fill that spot, fantastic. He, that could be done in a, in a cost-efficient way. But, you know, and Jason and I talked about this in, in other podcasts, you know, do you want to go into the relying on that? Because if it doesn't happen, then all of a sudden, you know, you have Scott Law in the third line center, or you're trying to piece it together again. That's that's tough over over a whole season. So I, I think that that's that still is a bigger need to me than the wing. That that becomes the number two need, and the you know, the winger. I just you know yeah I, absolutely It would be great to have the big goal scorer. And you know their Line A is one of the really really talented ones. I mean, you know when he when he does hit his prime and he still is only 22, you know he he could be, you know, maybe not a level cuz you're talking about all all-time all-time great, but I mean, he can be a he can be a top, you know, contender in a lot of years for, you know, for that Rocket Richard trophy. I mean, he is capable of it. But I it, again, I, I think when you look you look at the whole picture, I think, uh, you know, I think it's just hard to do.
0: Uh, did, did Nolan Patrick play in some kind of game the other day?
2: Some kind I, of scrimmage, you know.
0: Yeah, you know? okay. So it was it was some what, some NHL players that were Got together and did a scrimmage or something, and he participated.
2: Yeah, it's like the beauty league. There's, yeah, oh, no. beauty okay. league. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the beauty league. That's in Minnesota, but um no, but it's, it's like that. It's like, they, like that. Yeah, where they. Okay, here it. Is. Yeah, it's the Whitey's World Scrimmage. I knew I saw it. Um, and he, yeah, and he, he. Um, I'm trying to see what other names are here that we would kind of recognize that played in this, and I, I don't see any. Uh, actually, Ridley Greg played in it.
2: Okay. Yeah, white guy's Another guy from you know another Brandon
0: Wheat Kings guy. Yeah. So interesting. And, and, you know, we don't know, obviously, if Nolan Patrick, when camp does start, if he'll be cleared to play and, you know, what that'll look like. Uh, we know I mean, he's, a, yeah, I mean, we know. But,
1: it. but here's what we do know about line A, like a point guard, he needs a certain amount of touches on the power play. And mm-hmm. some teams just don't have them. The flyers don't have them. Like it's just for the amount of times he needs the puck to hammer the puck. Yes. It'll be nice to have him, but then you're taking two other guys out of their game when it a team that's struggling on a power play because they don't have that shot like the Rangers struggled on the power play without that shot until they got to Benajad then they had that shot on the power play I mean that's the thing with line eight how many of those shots do you need on a top power play you got to find the right team
0: yeah well you also got to look down the road a little bit too and see you know pending free agents coming up and if you can't strike this year do you put some you know what do you do do you make a deal like that Dumba deal is interesting because it's only three years left as you said Ross and coming up in a couple years a guy like Seth Jones but you know teams like when you have a guy like Seth Jones come up, you don't let him walk. No, <laughs> you're happy to pay that guy.
1: I mean, you know I mean, you are, unless there's some financial situation going on you don't know about.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing, Bill, is this a red flag for you that he, that it's been kind of ugly in Winnipeg for a guy like Lining? Um, th- there's been drama around him, obviously with the with the contract, and he ended up signing the bridge deal. Uh, but when you look at it, and you know he does he's not happy with his role. He wants to play with Shifley. We hear all these things coming out of there. Um, is, that's another potential red flag on, you know, having to, you know, you get his talent and that's great and you get his goals, but you could also be getting a headache.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that he was certainly as a player who had a, a lot of maturing to do, you right. know, growing up being a team player, um, you know, being, you know, the coachability factor, I I, I do think it was a good sign. That uh, Maurice challenged him to become more of a two-way player, and yeah. he really did. He picked up the back-checking side of things. He picked up the physical side of his game too, because he's a big, strong guy. Yeah, you know. And you know, there there were years early early in his career where you know he, he could skate down the ice with eggs in his pockets and never break one. Right. right. This year, this year he actually did try to play a little bit more physical. You know, he's not going to be a crusher, but you don't need him to be a crusher. Just use his size a little bit better. You know, just c- compete a little bit more. So it seemed like this year was a little bit of a step in the right direction, but if he's going to be a guy who's always complaining about, you know, who his center is and, you know, I mean, he, he still does do that. He still does do that. He wanted to play with Shifley and, you know, so yeah, I mean, I think he, I think that's still a work in progress, but there, there are plenty of guys who are kind of a pain in the neck when, when they're young and they do grow up and mature and that kind of resolves itself over time. Um, so uh, is it you know is it a little bit of a concern? Yeah, it, it, would it would it be a deal breaker to me? No.
0: Yeah. Well, you go through a process and you talk to them too. Um, you know, the other part about this, Russ, is maybe he's not the guy that Winnipeg moves. You know, there's there's salary cap parts of this as well, and they have Kyle Connor who is a 30 goal scorer. He's not. And no, he's not moving. But maybe Nikolai Ehlers is a guy. Ehlers that um, is a guy that they would look at.
1: Yeah, Ehlers is tremendous. I mean, that's a guy who if he gets on a breakaway is deadly. Yeah. He, um, he's got good reach. He's got good speed. He's not great uh, with his all-around game, but it's okay. You know, a lot of teams would want him. And To me, a- he
0: fits here. <laughs> yeah, he would fit here, yeah. um,
1: and he's easier to move than line A. I just don't know if the Winnipeg's ready to do that yet. I think they're, um, you have to remember, Winnipeg never attracts free agents. The only way they get players is via trade, and they get term on them. And then they stay there until their deal's up, and then they want to go. Or in, you know, like Liney's case, he wants to go early. It's hard to keep people in Winnipeg, players there. Now, at some point, maybe that changes, but I don't know. But in the interim, yeah, Ehlers would be a great guy to get here. Can you get him here? I think he's going to cost too much. Not that Liney wouldn't, but Liney's going to cost less than Ehlers, I think, simply because he doesn't have much term left.
0: Bill Gaudreau is, uh, of course, anytime there's any rumors regarding Johnny Gaudreau, it's coming home to Philadelphia. Did you know that he
1: grew up in Jersey, by the way?
0: Uh, I wasn't aware. Yeah,
1: he, <laughs> lives never in, been... he lives in Salem. He's not that far from me.
0: Oh, well, maybe you can go over and knock on his door and see how it's up. Uh, uh, I mean,
1: I've been at the rink a million times and never run into his dad, although he's probably been there. I just didn't pay attention.
0: Well, it, Bill Gaudreau, option. Uh, if he is, in fact, available, um, you know, he's got a couple years left on that deal. It's going to need to be paid. Uh, the, the word is Calgary would consider moving them now because there is more than one year uh, left on that deal. Therefore you have them for a couple of years, a little bit, you know, kick a couple of kicks at the cam with them before you'd have to resign with that. was What you chose to do uh, is Gaudreau an option. And do you believe that he actually is on the market from Calgary?
2: Uh, I think it's the listen to offers kind of thing. You know, I, they're, they're certainly not compelled,
0: not seeking food. a trade, but if one comes to them,
2: exactly. And that's a, that's a, really advantageous position to be in as opposed mm-hmm. to having a move a Um, You know, obviously Goudreau is a, is a wizard with the puck on his stick. Um, he is the guy, you know, we like, you know, I was saying the line A at least so far isn't necessarily someone who makes guys in his line better. And if you put him with the right guys, he'll score a bunch of goals. And so yeah, he'll help their assist totals and whatever. But uh, I mean, Goudreau is a guy who besides being able to score, he can, he can get guys the puck and, you know, good areas to, to make them better, you know, and increase their toes. I mean, obviously, you know, it's like, like with Danny Briere. I mean, if you look at the scouting report on Danny Briere, similar kind of thing with Goudreau where, you know, you know because of just how small he is, he competes, he tries, but just because of how small he is, you're giving away a lot defensively, right? Um, unlike Danny so far in his career, Goudreau has not been a big playoff guy so far. So far, I, I think he had, some one year. The, he had one year
1: where he was good. The first year, I think, was his good playoff year.
2: And you're right. But uh, but on the whole, his rep is a little bit underachieving so far in the playoffs. And I and I and again, it only takes one really big playoff run. And all of a sudden, you're. yeah, the Excuse those.
0: yeah. But, And the, we got to have Kevin Hayes connection there, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, played together in college. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of success together. A lot of success
1: there. Look, I honestly, I don't know if Goudreau wants to come here. That's the reality. Not everybody wants to come home because there's a lot of distractions and there's a lot of things you have to deal with. I never got the sense I, – I, you know, everybody's asked him a million times, and I've interviewed him a bunch of times. But I just – and I never asked him about this or asked him in private, but I just always got the sense that I don't think he really wants to play here.
0: Yeah, Pete, that that's a fan thing. Not like yeah. Mike Trout, obviously, yes. you know, re-signing that deal out in Anaheim. Everybody's yeah. like, he's got to want to come here and play for his own team. no. Sometimes you don't want to do that. Like I didn't want to go to college where I grew up. Right. You know, uh, and if you're you want to get pro- away from
1: those people, I get it. Well, it's it's
0: easier I'm to be a professional. There, there's a lot that comes with playing in the area that you grew up. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot more ticket requests and your friends, yeah, oh, yeah. And people coming out of the woodwork. There's all of that. You know, when and you your come mom into wants town you there
1: for Thanksgiving, your mom wants you there for Christmas. You're- yeah.
0: <laughs> different whole different set of a whole different ball game. So uh, there, that's always an assumption by fans. Like. Hey, we love it here. You grew up here. You should want to play here and do everything you can and take a discount to do it. And that's just not going to happen. Um, but anyway, I digress. That's um, why I
1: think Ryan's the easier one. Mm-hmm. Now Ryan's at a point in his career where yeah. he is getting paid. He needs to prove himself. Somebody needs to grab him. And, you know, I could see it working for Ryan because there's, there are different points in their career. Goudreau just had a little bit of an off season. That's all.
0: All right, before we attack um, the, the free agent goalie market, I'll do that with Russ and uh, we'll let Bill get out of here. But after this, Bill, uh, the Flyers are selecting 23rd, Early scheduled to select 23rd in the NHL entry draft, which will be Tuesday evening. We'll be doing a live uh, stream, of, as a matter of fact, you, you me, and uh, Brian Smith um, from the Philadelphia Flyers on Flyers 24-7, so people can check that out uh, as the draft is happening. Uh, but at 23, the Flyers are likely to do what?
2: If they if if they keep the pick, uh, I think the odds favor taking it forward. Um, it's really it's really hard to predict who's going to fall where, um, just because you know there's a there's a lot of different ways they can go. There are going to be guys who are, you know, worthy of top twenty picks. Maybe even some guys are worthy of top fifteen picks. You know who who will be there still there. Um, so there will there will be a pretty good you know a good prospect there for them. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting if Ridley Gregg does follow the Flyers in 23. I know it'll send his dad's blood pressure through the I'm roof. I'm sure his
1: dad's hoping he doesn't fall there, I think, <laughs> based on the comments.
2: Yeah, he, he said as much. And, and Brent yeah. Flair, you know, was open that, that his dad and, – and listen, I mean, it's not because Ridley wouldn't like to play here. Oh, no, he's an excellent player. Yeah, well, he's, uh, he grew up rooting for the Flyers. And, you know, he was a, a runner at the Flyers draft table in 2014. Claude yeah. Giroux was his favorite player. You know, uh, all of those things. It's just, yeah. it's just the pressure of playing for the organization that the regional scout, you know, who who would do a lot of the lead scouting on you is yeah. That's the organization that employs them, and it's a lot of pressure. You not It was have easier. To...
1: It was easier with Luko's kick because he was like a seventh rounder. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so that
2: was a do me
0: a favor thing.
2: Yeah. That, that's you know. So that that's a certainly a point of intrigue. Uh, I'm hoping you know. Uh, just, just at a personal level, because it is a lot of pressure on the kid. That the Flyers don't end up with that dilemma. Maybe he'll go off the board before. Um, I, I have my eyes on a couple of uh, a couple of German players who might be available for the Flyers at 23rd. Um, J.J. Paterka or Lucas Reichel, and uh, both of them are really quality hockey players. So I think you could have all you could have three Germans go in the first round this year. Uh, and there, there's other, there's other, you know, quality options too. Like if the Flyers go for a defenseman, uh, I like Ryan O'Rourke anytime, anytime in the twenties. Um, you know, that's another really character kid. Um, you know, be another 20 minute a night guy as he matures. You, got, you know, guys to get bigger and you know get some experience first, but I think he's, he's a quality option. Um, there, there's, uh, there are other players. Forster has a huge shot.
1: So if Man, you're looking for shot. that,
2: yeah. Yeah, massive shots. So if you're like Ryan
0: Pollock massive, Shea Weber uh, massive.
2: One of the best wrist shots in the draft.
0: Oh wrist okay, the bombers.
2: He's a tremendous shooter. He can, mm. you know, he can really put the puck away. Now he has other limitations, especially his skating.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
2: know, I mean if you look at you know, they, they scouts tend to rate tend to rate things to a one to nine scale and you see fives and sixes for his skating. So that that requires gonna require a lot of work. But you know, I don't think it's
1: Matthew Strom bad, though, just to say that, like, with Matthew no, Strom, that no, was a big project. I don't think it's anything that, like that. I, I, it's just it's just something
2: to think about where you have other guys who are, you know, some guys who are undersized that are, that are good all-around players. I mean, that's kind of Ridley Gregg's thing. He's, uh, you know, I, I think he's a little underrated offensively, actually. I, he, you know, is, I, he is. But, they, you know, there are other players. Now, if, if Hendricks uh, LaPierre falls that far. I mean, I, I run to the podium.
1: He'll be there. I think he'll be there. Uh,
2: I, I thought that until, and mind you, it's a, only a one-game sample, until he had four points in the season over, and he looked completely healthy.
0: Yeah. And then recency bias. <laughs> it's
2: it, it, Total recency bias, but the concern is his health, right?
0: Yeah. He had
2: a, a well-documented concussion issue, and then he had a cervical spine issue. So I, you just throw out last season. He was not effective. Right. He hardly played. You know, that, that's what's causing him to drop. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the guy who went into the year, oh, this, this guy's going to be a top five. So if you are convinced that he's healthy, but, you know, look, I mean, the Flyers took a gamble on, on Nolan Patrick's health, and so far that hasn't worked out. So right. you are taking a big risk if that's where you go. But there's, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of options, and I do think the odds favor a forward just, just based on what's going to be there.
1: I just yeah. don't think Peterka will be there. I think the other guys you mentioned will be, and I think Greg in the end won't be. I think so it'll he be goes closer. around
0: like eighteen to twenty range, Ross. Yeah,
1: I I, I wanna say I have him going like eighteen or something. Okay. Let's see. Ridley Greg. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be 20. interesting.
1: I have him going twenty to the okay. Devils, okay. The Devils they, lose, they lose three picks too. So yeah.
0: yeah. And the Devils, yeah, they in a lot of ways they can control the first round them in Ottawa, uh, with multiple them in picks. Ottawa. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Bill, thanks for doing this. Uh, Russ and I are going to continue thanks, here Bill. on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Well, shameless plug before Bill leaves. Uh, again, we'll be doing the live stream for the night of the draft, the first round, uh, which starts at 7.30, I believe. Uh, we'll be taking you through all 19 hours of the first round, because <laughs> that's how long it's evenly day. And then on Wednesday morning, uh, beginning I think at think 11.30 a.m., uh, we'll be doing the live stream again on Flyers 24-7 uh, for rounds two through seven. So, uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, Bill, Ryan thanks on, for doing it.
1: Brian Smith will have to get up early. That's good. Yes. He's not- <laughs> All right. Thanks,
2: guys. Thanks again. All right. Thanks there's so.
0: Bill Meltzer uh, from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com as well. Thanks to him for joining us. Uh, Russ Cohen and I continue. Uh, Russ, uh, the, the draft is finally happening. I, I was saying this, it, actually, oddly enough, to Mark Greg because I had him on uh, Flyers Daily for yeah. Monday's episode and um, uh, for Scouts Week, and I was saying, God, the 2019 draft feels like it happened in 2017 as we're here still in this mundane of 2020. It seems like forever ago there was a draft in the NHL, but finally, Tuesday night, it's going to happen.
1: You know, the weird thing is, and and like Bill said, like with LaPierre, you know, the Q's playing, so he already played. I'm already going to be viewing Q games this week Mm. because why the hell not? I'll start working on next year's draft. But the idea is... This has never happened where all of a sudden you could glimpse into the future at a draft and see how a guy did over the summer with his work and see what he looks like now. There's a few players that you could do it with, obviously not all of them. And so what I'm basically saying is a lot of takes that people are seeing online were seven months ago takes. Yeah. And a lot happens in the life of a prospect over the pause and now either before a season starts or as the season starts. Mm-hmm. And so as an example, like Dylan Holloway, you know, there was like, well, he only had 15 points on the season. And I put up an article on Sportsology. He was the last guy I interviewed. I probably did 25 to 30-something profiles this year of draft players, right? And with Holloway, you know, he was a guy that three, four years ago, they, they were thinking top five in the draft too. And, but he went to Wisconsin. He was the second youngest guy in the NCAA. And people should know when you play first or second line center as a young kid in the NCAA, there's some uphill battle there with physicality and face-offs and everything. And beginning of the year, he wasn't good at face-offs. And I watched some of those games. But at the end of the year, he was doing really well. He was actually around 60% at times. He ended up with just under 50. But there was a game he was like 68%. So he was doing much better with that. He was physical. But he's also 203 pounds now. When we were talking about him before, he was like, I want to say 185, 190. It's so, a big difference, though. It's a big difference. And especially when he plays a, a hard game, even though he's a skilled guy, he thinks he plays a lot like Landeskog. And so I know a lot of people felt like he was going to be a guy that was going to take, like, an Angelo Esposito drop. But I think now he has changed his own fortune again by doing the hard work and all of that. And there are a lot of other players, you know, like Stutzel, as an example. He is a terrific offensive player, great skater, great playmaker but he also knew that when he goes up a level, he needs to shake defenders. And the way he learned how to shake defenders is he was working, he's a guy that kind of does the circle around and those kinds of things. And so he worked on his turns and he worked on his turns just so he could shake defenders and make his own space. And he said, he's been able to do that. And that was a couple of months ago, he told me that. So just imagine now when he gets back out on the ice, even though they've been delayed, now it looks like December for the DEL, uh, that's a big change. In his game, even offensively, where that, now that's something where if you had that checked off on your scouting sheet, like, hey, something to work on, well, he's worked on it. And so, and there are some guys that have done that too. Um, if you, on my list, if people were to go on to Sportsology and follow along, and it's up to you if you want to, but as an example, I have Zion Nybeck, 30. He's an undersized guy. He plays for HV71. He's a guy that knew he had to work on his skating, but he's also a guy that has great. A great shot and he's really good around the neck because he seems to know where the puck's going to be in the offensive zone and he's pretty fearless he's already like 170 something pounds i think mm-hmm. and maybe 180 so he's a guy that could take a little bit of punishment even though they don't really get that in the shl but the idea is he's a guy that told me he had to work on his two two-step quickness and he did that and he did that for the past three months and so that's something where a lot of people have him pegged in their mind, like, Hey, Zion and I back. All right, we're going to put him in, you know, the second round and he fits nicely, but teams may feel differently now because they did a lot of zoom calls. They were, yeah. you know, Holloway did a ton before the draft was supposed to go in June. And then he did a lot afterwards. He said nearly every team called him afterwards. And so that's something where, again, with a kid like this, and again, because he's playing in the SHL, there's a thing that's going to happen this year and it's going to affect this year's draft and next year's draft. So as an example, you, you got two years to sign a guy when you get him from the uh, Canadian hockey league, right? When you get a player like that, you get two years. Well next year like this year, rookie camp, what's rookie camp going to be? It's going to be yeah. virtual. Nobody's going to be on the ice. Yeah. You may give a guy his marching plans, but you really haven't helped him develop on the ice and you're not going to be able to this year. So then next year, you hope you could do a rookie camp, but that's the tell year. Like, that's when you got to figure out if you're going to sign a guy to his ELC or not at It'd some point. there be some
0: mistakes made here, and not by anybody's fault of their own.
1: Right. And so, but if you sign somebody like in the SHL, you don't have to worry about it because they're over there, and you only have to worry about it when they decide they're going to come over here. So I think there's going to be a string, like there were last year, of European yeah. picks. And I think the last couple of rounds, a lot of college picks, too. And I think that's where you're going to see some more control. Yeah, it's just you, you don't have to make these quick decisions on some of these players. So I think that's going to come into play. And I think, you know, like Nybeck is a guy like that. But with the Flyers, Forster is the guy that I have them picking. He really does wreak havoc in the offensive zone. He does have a great wrist shot. He's got a good one-timer, too, don't get me wrong. But the wrist shot seems special to me. Okay. He does need to work on his skating, no question about it. Uh, if the Flyers now wanted to go defense, look, again, I know everybody says they should go forward, right? But any forward they get is three to four years away, especially with they're picking at 23. So, <clears throat> if you go defense, Ryan O'Rourke's not a bad pick. I have him ranked 26th. I had a really good conversation with him at the top prospects game. This year, he was, he was set out to be a shutdown guy. But he wasn't always a shutdown guy. When I interviewed Cole Profetti, Profetti played with with him, O'Rourke on a midget team, and he was the power play quarterback. He was the number one defenseman, so he has that in him, and he still scored, I think, like 37, 40 points. But he was asked to be a shutdown guy this year, so there is offense in his game, and that is a guy that hey, if you picked him there, I would not say it's a bad pick. If Brayden Schneider's still around, I would pick him. I would stay away from Justin Barron, his brother Morgan's with the Rangers. He you know he just signed recently. He's a good player. He's got some, you know, issues with zone entries and some other things being a little, uh, little casual with the puck, as Lavi would say. Um, so that's somebody I might stay away from defensively. But uh, Helgi Granz, if, if he's there, I've interviewed him. Uh, he's a guy that doesn't play physical right now, but he knows it. And he's probably going to work on it just to a little degree. But, again, not everybody's a physical defenseman. What he did work on was his stripping ability and his speed. And he said, both those things are really good. And towards the end of the year, last year in the SHL, he started to get power play time. So if the Flyers went for a guy like that, the development cycle on him is probably shorter than some other players. But again, you have to talk him into, you know, coming over here and playing and just letting him bulk up a little bit, just like Cam York. He's going to have to bulk up. And Cam York
0: has, (laughs) by the way. So
1: that's good. So that's, (laughs)
0: See that picture of him that he put on Instagram?
1: I did not see his picture. No. Oh, oh my
0: goodness! He was working out. He looked like a truck. He was. Yeah. I was stunned by it. Uh, Russ, let me take you to the top of the draft because, yeah, do it. and I'm going to see if I can guess uh, the top five that you have on your mock my on mock. Sportsology.com. Um, well, I don't have the
1: mock there. I had I have rankings. I have a mock here okay. though, so I'll match it up with that.
0: Okay, well, number one, uh, the Rangers uh, taking the number one pick. They're not trading. And I know that no. uh, Jeff Gordon said they were taking calls or, or maybe it was JD that said that, but that's not happening. They're, they're going to select uh, Lafreniere, um, and, and that's a slam dunk. Yep. And rightfully so. I mean, the guy had 112 points last year, 35 goals, 77 assists in 52 games. And
1: super marketable. They'll be selling jerseys the minute yep. he's a Ranger.
0: Yep. And, you know, you add that with Panarin, boy, did they have just some good luck in, in their timing from when that letter went out from the team saying that right. they were tearing it apart. Um, and obviously we'll get into Lundquist in a minute after this um, and, and his buyout. Uh, number two, I'm expecting the Kings to keep the pick and I'm expecting them to take Quentin Byfield, the 6'4, 250 pound center. Um, I know Stutzel is a name that's been thrown out there uh, for them, uh, but I expect that they're going to end up taking Quentin Byfield. Is that who you have as well?
1: That's who I have. And I never wavered either Mm-hmm. In a ranking or a draft, and a mock draft. And I don't like to do mocks, but somebody paid me really good to this year to do it. So I did it. Oh, yeah. uh, so I broke my <laughs> own rule. But the idea is, I do think the Kings are split on it. But I do think at the end, if they look at it, like Gabe Villardi played in the NHL last year, right? He finally got over his back issues. He could play the wing. You don't have to sell yourself on the fact that you have all these great centers with Kupari and Turcotte and all these guys and not draft a guy who is a rock-solid, natural center, big, strong. Do that pick. And I think ultimately they'll do that pick.
0: Okay. Then you get to number three, and maybe, you know, the, uh, the fact that the Kings go by field, that is going to be the Ottawa Senators game because um, they're a team on the rebuild. they got a couple of picks in this first round. Uh, they're going to be a team that's got, got some, something to say about how this breaks out. They already have Shabbat and signed, mm-hmm. um, and now they got the opportunity to grab. The German Stutzler.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, and they would, and yep. I think I I believe Eugene Melnick has been telling Dorian to get somebody that they could play in the NHL this year. And if the Kings were to take Stutzl, then I wouldn't force Byfield into the NHL this year. And I wonder what the what the Senators would do with that, and maybe look to still take him, but then their fifth pick has to be someone they feel could play in the NHL, right? Yeah, Uh, this would solve both their problems. And yeah, he'd be a great pick for them. He could play right away. Now, do I think that's best for him? Not necessarily. Because if you did want him to play center, then you let him play in the DEL this year as a center and see how he does. But if you're okay with bringing him over, then you'll bring him over as a winger and he will probably get your 45, 50 points first year, but he could be a 75, 80 point guy.
0: Yeah, and and he'd be such a big part because uh, coming up at five, they're going to pick their demon. I, I think I mentioned that Souza was a D. I, I misspoke. It's not a defenseman. Um, no. Detroit at number four, maybe the team that got screwed the most in the, the original Walker <laughs> I mean, they weren't just bad; they were horrifically bad last year. Yeah, um, but uh, Detroit is going to end up taking uh, Marco Rossi
1: mm-hmm. here. I don't think they're going to go Rossi. I think you
0: gonna don't. Go-
1: I don't. I mm. think they're going to go Profetti, and I'll tell you why. So I was on all of those NHL calls with the, with the prospects and like Perfetti's last call, Steve Eiserman was on the call, but he wasn't on the call. He was on the call, but he blacked out the screen and never said anything. And that is interesting to me. And I found wow. out from some digging that some, that at least one other GM in the league does that too, as sort of a test. And I would say Perfetti passed the test because he's super smart. He was in like a really high, he took a math test where he was in like a high percentile for his age in the world but he also if people go to sportsology you could read about it he looks at things with a geometry lens when he's making plays on the ice but his hockey iq is super super good decision making very fast and he actually says that's because of the math if you think about it math is one of those things if you could do it like that if your brain works like that process big, things yeah yeah it's a processing now, he does need to work on his skating a little bit already, is a good skater. He was second in the OHL in scoring 111 points. He can do it all, and he can get hot, too. The, the thing about it is, I think Eiserman gave him that test because I think at least there's a thought in his mind, hey, I was a center who started up a bad team, too, and maybe this kid has a little bit of me in him. And you know what? Nothing against Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin serves his role or whatever, but you could see that Dylan Larkin's maybe not exactly what they thought he would be really good player, but not exactly a top line center, right? Really, really more like a second line center in a, in a perfect world, I think. And so I think there's a really good chance for Profetti there.
0: Okay. Interesting. And then um, when you look at uh, the Ottawa Senators, did they take a D-man at uh, Erie? Do they take Jamie's Drysdale at number yeah, five? Yeah, I
1: think if they don't, it's silly because The fact that you could have Drysdale and Shabbat on the same team, on the same power play if you wanted to, uh, would be amazing. Drysdale, I got to see him play, I don't know, like in January. And the thing that impressed me about him is he said he loves five-on-five play. And and I'd never heard defensemen tell me that because they all love the power play. But he said, honestly, I like the power play like everybody does. But he goes, I really enjoy the challenge of five-on-five play. And you don't hear many defensemen doing that. And he's a guy that – He's one of those defensemen that could take the puck, get it into the zone, and even get around the net and then decide what to do with it. And I think he'll still be able to do that in the NHL because of his speed. Now, there'll be some adjustments for him. He's not the best defender. He's good. He's good. He's not like Sanderson defensive. So, But the offense is great. And the warrior mentality, like, in, in the OHL, he knows there's a target on his back. And he told me, yeah, I'm good with that every game. No problem. Yeah. Just to show you the respect that they had, I was at a game in Windsor and they actually put up a graphic of Jamie Drysdale because on the world junior team, he started off as an extra because he was one of the youngest guys. Then all of a sudden he got to play a little. Then all of a sudden he was on the third pair. Then all of a sudden he started to move up on the world junior chart. So they showed some world junior highlights and everybody, you know, cheered and it was great. It was the, you know, the opposing team that they were doing that for, still Canadian. And he was, and, you know, he was really touched by that. But, again, it shows you the respect that they had for him. And, and I think teams had that same respect for his offensive play. That's why he's far and away the best offensive defenseman.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting first round. I I don't know if there's going to be more trades. I less think Rossi trades. goes
1: six to the Ducks. That's where I think.
0: Okay. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be more movement in this first round with the draft being virtual uh, with the flat cap and the rem. I think it's going to be harder
1: to move. Because yeah. you can't just walk over to a table or, you know, you, you're still going to have to text or whatever, but I think there's going to be delays. And I think technology is going to come into play here. Uh, I But look, here's where I think there'll be some movement. I think the Rangers would be looking to trade their pick, the 22nd pick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that's, I think the Canadians who have advertised, they would trade the 16th pick. I think Ottawa might be willing to trade their other pick, which is 28, and maybe some of their seconds, I think they have multiple seconds, if, if Oskarov were sitting around, let's say, in an area like where the Leafs are, and the Leafs don't want him, the Leafs, they would probably want like an O'Reilly, uh, O'Rourke or a Braden Schneider, a defenseman like that. They would trade down to do it because they could get him. Down at that spot, they can get one of those guys down at the spot, but get a couple seconds. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff Kyle Dubas likes to do. I could see Ottawa trying to do a deal like that and trying to get Askarov as well. Now Askarov could go anywhere from five on, right? He's that good. But yeah. there's still going to be a little bit of a stigma attached. He's a Russian goalie. You don't know when he's going to come over. Yeah, you know he is young. Look, he's 18. He's starting in the, in the KHL. That's great. And he played two VHL games this year, like in juniors. And the two in the KHL has got a 974 save percentage. But you also know that and, – and high-end guys can do it, right? I mean, you know, Carter Hart came over young. Carey Price came over young. You know, a lot of guys can come in the NHL young. But, like, Shosturkin, as an example, is 24. So you don't know when they come over what the adjustment's going to be like in North America. So let's say, he, you know, he comes in. He's only going to make an ELC. He could probably make – if he has a year like he's having this year, like a million and a half, two million bucks in a paper bag in Russia for the next couple of years, each year. And so he's probably gonna take at least two to come over, maybe three. And whatever team is gonna get him has to be okay with that. Otherwise, well, not
0: only do you come over after three, and then you gotta adjust.
1: And then you have to adjust. So yeah. and then and Samsonov even had an adjustment. Now, yeah. maybe you know, and I think a could be better than Samsonov. I do think he's better. But still, I can't tell you there's no adjustment. So I think, again, some of those teams. Yeah, remember, no the GM's job is yeah. sort of on the line. He doesn't want to take any chances. He's making a safe pick that he could sell to his fan base. So I think that's where it might change. Uh, goalie things.
0: stash is hard to sell. It yes. really is. It, it, it is. It's, it's one of those hard things to sell. And it's crazy. It's the most important position in all, all pro
1: sports. Look that, how good Spencer Knight is. No, yep. Before Iskarov. Spencer Knight, rock solid as you could get as a goalie prospect. Unbelievable college hockey prospect. Just amazing. Great. International. Internationally. Yep. He's got thighs like tree trunks. The kid is smart, and he still went where he went, right? And so you would think, like, like Harry Price back in the day, he should go top five, but other things come into play.
0: Yeah, a lot of times GMs don't love picking the goalies up high because they're not going to be around when the goalie gets
1: there. That's true. I mean, a lot of times, job, and you know, you hate to say that, but it does come into play when when guys are making picks. There's no question yeah. about it.
0: Yeah, and we'll see. It seems like there's a lot more young goalies coming into this league and playing younger than ever before. The cutter hearts 22. Yeah. Um, and he's got the mantle, and we're in the metro goaltending situation is fascinating. But Scar- to be
1: fair, right? As good as heart is, and as much as we like him, the bubble maybe helped him because he didn't have to go on the road. Because he did still have some road struggles this year. That's weird
0: though, because in his rookie year, he actually was better on the road than he was at home. I know, <laughs> but
1: like, think, just, it's a yeah. goalie thing. Like, you just yeah. never know what's going to pop up next in the development. This is not the best we're ever going to see Carter Hart. He's going to be twenty-four or twenty-five when we see his best. Uh, That's absolutely, the way it is with goalies.
0: Yep. Yeah, you because there's adjustments to him, and then there's a, he's got to adjust back and. Uh, i think to your point too the bubble may have helped i mean he had his guitar there he bought a nice paul reed smith talked about it and he's playing a lot of guitar in his downtime and and doing those things but a lot he can control without traveling
1: he seems like a country western guitar player not a rock
0: uh uh, no he is a rock guy he is yeah classic rock he's all into it Um, wow
1: classic rock give me something what is he what was he playing Uh,
0: i don't i don't have any audio of anything he played but uh no he's into like you know like led zeppelin and and stuff like that and um, eventually, maybe we'll get a chops up and be able to go like Steely Dan or something. You know, to, wow. to that degree. I mean, Steely, Steely Dan—that's Dan. tough stuff to play, but <laughs> it's really that's, good musician. That's some of the
1: best studio stuff there is. Sometimes.
0: Oh, oh yeah, no doubt. Because
1: Larry—I don't know if you know who Larry Carlton—is but, but mm-hmm. that's a guy who tremendous jazz guitarist, and some of those licks he had on Steely Dan stuff, like that's—you're yeah. getting into some rare territory. Though.
0: High-end musicianship. Um, yeah. uh, so we'll see if Eskauf As- ends up in the division. Maybe Carolina takes him at 13, but this goaltending situation. In the metro, going forward between Carter, Hart, Mackenzie Blackwood, Shosturkin, yeah. um, who who knows if Georgiev stays or just, just so you term? know though
1: with Carolina, everybody assumes they drafted Pierre Kachikov in the second round last year, Russian goalie who's also starting in the KHL. Yeah, like, somebody wrote one of their beat writers. Well, he didn't have a good year, so he's sort of like they're questioning his development. And I'm like, he's like 21 or 20. Like, yeah. I that's I a little early. I think they'll look at it differently. And again, for them to spend that pick on it when you did that last year, there's going to be some questions from the owner like, hey, what about the guy you took last year in yeah. the second round? The second round is even at times high for a goalie.
0: And that's the there's only one net. You know, there's only yeah, so yeah. many spots. for You can't stash them like you can a defense, a no. defenseman, or a forward. We have many opportunities no, for to get on the ice.
1: That's are great because, because – they play. Know, especially if they want to play for four years there, Yeah, that solves a lot of problems, obviously. You
0: know? um, Russ, last thing, Bob, before we put a wrap on this episode uh, 87 of the Stokaki podcast, um, the buyout market's been interesting. I know that, uh, you know, you've covered the Rangers for a long yes. time. And uh, to me, there's no bigger name that was bought out than, than Henrik Lundqvist. Um he had put out a tweet saying, I still love the game. I still love to play. I still love to compete. I still love to win. Um, he's not hanging it up. I heard nope, Steve. That's kept his the other
1: You know, we wonder yep. if he would hang it up. You're right. That's his answer. I I try and tell people it's hard to equate what a warrior for a goalie is like, because a lot of times they're on their own Island. A lot of times they're training away from the forwards <laughs> with their goalie coach. And so, you don't, as a fan, always get to see it. I think we get to see it a little more because if you're out of practice or you get into the locker room early, you can kind of see what a guy's pregame prep is like, what his postgame prep is right like. And, and I've seen a lot of that with Lundquist. And I go back to 2010 when he lost um, because Torts decided he wanted to take that game into overtime and Lunquist had a hurt knee. And Lunquist still played great in that game. And, you know, we talked about it with Bush when he screwed up his uh, celebration after mm. winning that game, which I thought was great. Because I went back and looked at that video and was like, yeah, he's right. I don't a remember. A tire on that. <laughs> yeah. and um, But that is how much this guy does want to win and did want to win. And a goalie doesn't win a Stanley Cup on his own. If that were the case, Van Beesbrook would have won with a middling Florida Panthers team. Yeah, Price I mean, would have
0: had won one already. Luongo would have won one
1: yeah. And we were in a different era. Like I try and tell people, he is the greatest Ranger goalie of all time. He is better than Richter. He's better than Jockerman. I've seen them all. Yep. And, and so I can tell you, in my estimation, he's better because nowadays you have to be a better athlete. If you go back and look, and I used to you know, watch all those games on TV. I didn't go to a lot of games in the 70s, but I watched a lot. And the game was slower. Guys didn't score high as, as much as they could. Fourth liners didn't score much at all. They were mostly out there checking. and maybe Even
0: third liners at that even time. Even third really? liners yeah. back
1: then. And, you know, and then we went through the 80s and we saw that was like the goal-scoring era and goalies' goals against were like, forget it. Like even Grant right. Fuhrer was was mortal at that time. Yeah,
0: they but, won 7-5 every night. Was track right. Meet.
1: But everybody's got a great stick. Everybody can shoot high. Everybody is twice as fast as the other eras. And people have to take that into account. And then if you want to look at who Lundqvist had in front of him instead of Richter in the 94, I mean, some of those great Oilers, Kevin Lowe, I mean – there's Boogaboom. There were there was a lot of beef in front of Mike Richard. Oh, yeah, Monquist had some guys like that. You know, he, you know, McDonough was terrific and Strollman was real good. But he, these aren't like Evanton Euler, you know, guys who have won multiple cups. So he still can give something. Even Bush told us, and actually, um Valakad, Steve Valakat told us yes, he's not the same. But we did see in that playoff start, after not playing for like it seemed like a thousand years, that was a pretty good start. Yeah. That wasn't the reason they lost. It wasn't the reason they lost. And if you put them in front of Colorado or Washington,
0: you know, there are some
1: teams that, you know, control the puck. Now, Washington's defense is not as good as Colorado, but these are teams that can get the puck out of the zone. That kind of stuff would really help Lungwist. You know, Minnesota is not that far off defensively, they still have some veterans there. Yep. There are some teams where if you do that, you might be able to get the right fit. And like you said, the way everybody plays it nowadays, you could bring him in and say, Hey, look, we're going to split time between you and whatever. You could be the number one here, but you are going to have to prove it a little bit, yep. but we'll get you 35, 40 games. That's yeah. a lot better than last year when he wasn't getting much at all.
0: Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if they pair him with, you know, the makeup of a young goaltender, whether you know you look at New Jersey, right. Um, do, do you put him with Mackenzie Blackwood? Is that, is Mackenzie Blackwood have the mental makeup to handle having a guy of his stature uh, be there competing with him as well as a young goaltender. Their
1: defense stinks. Like I Honestly, and this may be something that is in my own head, and I don't think Lundquist has ever said it too much out loud, but I don't think he liked New Jersey much at all. Playing there, being there, the whole thing. I don't think it was like Gretzky where he called him Mickey Mouse or anything, but I just got the vibe that that's not the first place he's going to want to go.
0: No, he's a big city man. He's not settling for a turnpike exit.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or a rest stop. I think there is something to that too. And so there is, you know, there has to be a little flash for this guy. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw
0: Chicago maybe in that mix as well.
1: Chicago. Yeah. They they're already talking they talked about Murray. Murray. Yeah. And maybe that didn't go well. Poor Crawford's sort of twisting in the wind now because he's got his one year offer. And I don't know if he could still cash that. Um, but this goalie market's crazy. Anyhow, it's like the quarterback market was this offseason for the NFL. I wrote an article on it, and I tried to guess it, and I maybe got, like, two right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, impossible. It upside down.
0: Yeah, and, and, and these are interesting markets, and I, I think he ultimately ends up in Carolina. And yeah, like uh,
1: Dubnik's, like, two hours from being signed by San Jose. Like, yeah. Like, literally, it's that close. Well,
0: to me, San Jose doesn't really want to compete. Not signed, but he's
1: going to make it. They're gonna make yeah,
0: they're going to. Uh, that makes no sense to have Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik to me. I mean, no. it. it, it they're banking on martin jones bouncing back i don't see it now the environment stinks but
1: zubinick is the perfect guy to have waiting in the wings and if jones stinks he is a great guy to come off last year was a tough year for him whatever was going on in his house it was an off year for him right and still took advantage that's great but we know that something changed in him and he became a really good goalie and yeah if you have him on the bench He's a good guy to come in all of a sudden, mm-hmm. give you a winning streak. I just
0: don't understand pinning your hopes to, to Martin Jones again. In that environment, he's proved I in that environment.
1: I don't think they can do anything about it. I, I, yeah. You know, his salary is high. I think yeah. they would try and hope that maybe by playing fewer games, they can rehab him to a degree. Yeah. That's what they're looking at.
0: And you're going to need three goalies this year with the well, way the schedule is going to end up five, breaking six. down. Yeah.
1: The Flyers were smart, signing Lion, right? Because mm-hmm. they knew they were going to try and get Elliot. But you know, you didn't know if another team would outbid you or not because you were close on the cap. So then they got the deal with Elliot. Now they do have three. Sandstrom's playing overseas. Yeah. You're not right. So. And Kirill
0: Lustamenko is as well.
1: Yeah, and now maybe one of them come back in December to play with the Phantoms, maybe, or maybe they just go with guys like JF Barube or whoever they're going to sign for the Phantoms this year, and not worry about it because they want their younger guys to really develop and keep playing where they were, not uproot them. That's fine, but they do have three. Yeah. I think you are going to need three. You're right about
0: that. Yeah, I think that's going to be important coming up this year. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode, uh, Russ. It's draft time. It's, I know it's one of your busiest times. And uh, everybody check it. check out sportsology.com. Uh, all your stuff is on there. Great stuff, as always. Check out uh, Russ's Twitter handle as well, at Sportsology. Uh, mine, at Jason Mert. And, of course, the podcast, at Stick to Hockey Pod. That's a wrap on episode 87. And we'll have to bring in another one for free agent friends. A silly oh, yeah. season after the draft. Everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.